Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, Almost Here, Round the Corner Technologies. Uh, today, I have Alex Hyde of Security Scorecard. Alex, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Would, would you mind telling folks what uh, you guys do at Security Scorecard? Sure. Security Scorecard is a vendor ratings management platform. So what that means is we are a we have a platform that tracks the external security postures of all of the companies on the Internet. What does that mean, ex- external security postures? So what we're looking at is we're looking at different aspects of risk for a company, everything from their web application security, things like what versions of, of uh, web applications are they running. We're looking at their network security, seeing what type of services they're offering, what ports are open. Then we look at the hacker underground to see if there's any chatter mentioning that company's name or if there's any discussions about it. We'll look for leaking passwords within the the recent database breaches that have been circulating. And uh, all of those different external indicators create a a profile of risk for a company to we're looking at ten different ten different categories overall, and it, it essentially tells if a company is a, a low hanging fruit and if they're being uh, actively targeted by the underground. That's interesting. <laughs> um, so once you do this analysis, um, what do you make recommendations to the company to make changes, or do you actually implement the changes yourself? Well, we well essentially the platform is for for the monitoring of both yourself and your third parties. So the way the way things have kind of changed within the the enterprise uh, ecosystem is before there was a fortress model where everyone where everyone would hold all of their digital assets internally. Everything would be protected by firewalls and there'd be strict authentication controls and the like. And now everything is in the cloud and decentralized and uh, there's uh, critical data being handled by third parties. So even though an enterprise might have a good idea as to how secure they are, they really don't have any ideas to how secure their partners are. And our platform allows uh, allows uh, the user to non-intrusively uh, detect what that security posture is from the standpoint of what, what hackers would see. Uh, normally in the vendor uh, procurement process, there's uh, penetration tests and those type of evaluations that take place, but th- those can take weeks or months and are very expensive. And with our platform, you can just type a company's website and it'll instantly calculate all of the all of the risk indicators that a hacker would normally look for and score it accordingly. Huh, that's really interesting. Do you do you find that people are looking for a lot of the major vendors or smaller ones? I mean, where do you uh, where is your analysis uh, most useful? Uh, I would say both. For the most part, it's a lot of it's a, a lot of major corporations monitoring uh, monitoring themselves and monitoring each other. And through the platform, we have a sort of a, a social network collaboration type feature. So uh, people will can contact each other through the platform and work to, to remediate their issues. And uh, o- over time, you see scores raise 
and security postures improve as companies work together through the collaboration features. And when it comes to smaller businesses, a lot of small businesses rely on larger companies and, and uh, essentially their, their entire operations rely on third-party vendors. They set up a website on a, on a shared host. They'll make use of a, a you know, popular merchant processor to handle their credit card transactions and they'll use a, a file sharing service to, to upload their documents and all, all of that is um, trackable in, in one way or another through, some, through, uh, through a, a signal that's emanated onto the public internet. Do you have alerts evolve so do you start to hear chatter on a particular um, application or company? Yeah, absolutely. So our our platform has has alerting features. So anytime there's a, a spike in any activity uh, in any of the categories that we're tracking, they they would get notified. And uh, hacker chatter is definitely one of those categories. And we're we're tracking various um, forums and on both the the. I call it the ClearNet Underground because it's it's essentially underground and you have to be invited into it. But it's it's not making use of Tor or any type of darknet resources. And then you have the actual darknet, which is um, hosted through the Tor network and and uh, similar similar um, encryption services. And those um and the, those are tracked by our platforms. And uh, and whenever there's a, a mention of a a vendor or name or website on uh, any of those resources, it'll surface in the platform with an alert. With them, do you have any issues with the, the legality of the analysis you do or, you know, um, even alerting people? I, I would guess there's there might be some surprises that people think, you know, it makes sense to do this, but in reality it doesn't make sense because of the law. <laughs> Well, the 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 law is, uh, especially in the United States, it's it's very explicit about the transmission of, of malicious code with the intention of gaining unauthorized access or even connecting to a computer outside of their terms of service uh, or attempting to gain unauthorized access. So when we're doing our mappings, we're not actually trying to log into anything. We're not. Um, we're, we're not uh, trying to, you know, when we when we cover logins and passwords, we're not trying to log into those accounts to verify if they're real. If we see an open port, we're not trying to log in to see if we can get in. Uh, we're essentially just looking at the external indicators and seeing what versions are available. And, and the information that's beaconing out, oftentimes it'll tell you the software, it'll tell you the version, and then that gets mapped to a to a list of public databases called the CVE database, which is published by the uh, NIST, the National Institute of Standard Technology, and MITRE. And every day they come out with uh, new vulnerabilities, uh, um, indicating that people who run this, these types of software should update their systems. And they they do this on a on a daily basis. So we're taking wow. the signals that we see and then mapping them to the CVE database. So we're not. So in in a way, it, it's in uh, I guess in a physical sense, it's as if uh, it's like we're walking through the neighborhood, writing down the types of locks that are on people's doors, but we're not actually trying to pick the locks or jiggle the door handles. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So you you I guess you have two customers: the people that want to use these third-party vendors and want to make sure that they're good ones, and then maybe the vendors themselves that want to represent themselves well to the community and have your seal of approval or monitoring, right? Yes, yes, we've, we have um, both, both, those, uh, both those use cases and, and oftentimes they, they overlap. So the, um, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of enterprise customers will use our platform to, 
to show that they're doing their due diligence. They're they're proud to advertise the, the security scorecard grade on their website, and they're um and they use the the reports to show their their board of directors and their customers that they're they're doing the right thing, um, as, as compared to their peers in their industry. So it's um for, from the standpoint of a of a of a hygiene tool, it's it's quite um it's quite useful for for that and everything that's being seen it's 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 what the hackers are seeing and collecting and what's and it's what they're acting on so if you if you're able to catch it before they do um it's quite beneficial because they're going to move on to the next target and i guess computer security is kind of like automobile security you know you can never absolutely prevent something but you can make uh your car for instance you could put the club on it you can lock the doors you could have an alarm you could have a patrol. I would guess the same thing with uh, online stuff. You could only do so much, but I guess it's more to deter hackers and make yourself a non-easy target, right? And that's and that's a very good point because and and since everything's decentralized and put into the hands of third party third parties that are are trusted, um, it, everyone's going to get hit one way or another. I mean, last year there were two over 2.5 billion compromised credentials circulating from the various mega breaches and it's still there's still breaches being released on a daily basis even this year so it's a matter of time before a company gets hit a company you're you're always going to have an incident it's just how how quick can you respond to the incident and are you doing everything you can to mitigate future incidents so it's you know did did something happen and you immediately took care of it or did you pretend it didn't happen until four years later and it came up in a mergers and acquisition deal so, so it's those the it's essentially the the speed of the response that separates separates the 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 winners from from the losers in that regard. And your your analogy about automobiles is is even more appropriate because there's automobiles are becoming part of that as well. Yeah, so it's oh, it's the security, yeah, information security for automobiles. That's that's a thing now. Any um. Any stories of uh, crazy things you've seen happening in the uh, computer security world? Um, yeah, I would say probably the the most interesting uh, thing that we've we've seen th- this year, and uh, probably had some of the uh, probably some of the bigger impact to a lot of uh, smaller and medium sized businesses was um, there's so there's a, the the spate of database attacks that we saw within the last uh, within the last year or so. Um, they essentially came a lot of them came from the fact that people aren't putting usernames and passwords on their databases specifically a lot of these new technologies like mongo and elasticsearch so our platform um for i'd say for the last year or so um was alerting customers to uh to insecure databases such as mongo and mongodb and elasticdb and what we saw within the last few months is that attackers had been Doing the same type of mapping, and then they ran a an, um, a ransomware attack against all of the all of the open Mongo databases that they were able to find, and all the open Elasticsearch databases they were able to find. And what that meant is they essentially del- they deleted the ba- made a backup of the database, deleted it, and then left a message to the to the administrator saying, "We've got your database. Send us some Bitcoin. Here's the address. If you don't do it." We will either erase your database or release release it publicly, and that hmm. um, and it essentially just kind of sprung up overnight, hitting everybody. It made the news, and um, people who were 
people who are monitoring, uh, people who are using our platform and, um, you know, collaborating and remediating this, this it, it never really affected them. But for the, for the, uh, from the standpoint of the, the rest of the internet, it was, um, it, it was a, it was a pretty big, pretty big hit. And it was one of those things that you're just able to, to see go live. And that, that was, um, and that was just, that was this year, that was in the last couple months. And then right before that, there was a similar exploitation of essentially it's weak passwords or no passwords at all. It's the, the same problems from 20 years ago are still the problems today. People just aren't setting stuff up right. That, that the entire Mirai botnet, the IoT botnet, that the only reason that existed is because all these IoT devices had default passwords. And someone wrote, wrote a worm. And that's what happened with these databases. No passwords, someone wrote a worm. So that's going to, I mean, that's going to continue to be the case. New technologies come out. People don't really understand them. They just want it to work. It's deployed. They forget about it. And the next thing you know, you're sharing that resource with an unauthorized entity. So you help people, um, again, stay on top of what they need to do. But what about the actual remediation or the actual software updating and all that? Do you do that for customers or they have to go... Uh do it themselves. Well, normally they would do it the, the, a lot of times they do it themselves because we are like again everything we do is completely external so we can we can tell we tell them through our platform what they need to do so that they're not they're not exposed to what we see so the everyone's ecosystem is completely different there's uh, you know everyone has their own setup internally so we we wouldn't be um you know it wouldn't be appropriate for us to to make mandates as to what their internal network should look like. We just make suggestions as to this is this is what we can see and this is why we can see it. If you make this change, we won't be able to see it and the issue is the issue is re, um remediated. And um and then there's and we also have partnerships with some uh some um uh, full service infosec companies that can provide that service if it's if it's uh requested by some of the smaller medium sized businesses but for for the most part a lot of people just handle it themselves. Okay, yeah, I figured you would get requests at least from some companies to do it for them, but uh I see you handled it. Okay. What what got you into doing all this? Why why this kind of security and monitoring? Well, the the companies uh the the um but personally I've been doing uh, I I've been doing um uh, uh Information security work um, since I uh, probably since I was in my my late teens. Um, I, I started off working um, working as a web application analyst uh, for the financial sector, and um, and then I went into uh, into doing a malware analysis for for a cert team for a company called Prolexic, and the I was, I was involved in some of the the uh, DDoS attacks in the uh, uh, defending against the DDoS attacks in the financial sector back in 2012, and I got invited into Security Scorecard after um, uh, after the the two founders. They they essentially had the problem of trying to manage the security of third party vendors while they were working at large e-commerce firms, and they were um, you know, they had various uh, credit card processors that when they just did some cursory checks, they found all the credit cards were publicly accessible and they uh you know they, they decided there needed to be some kind of a solution to make this process easier and then that's when the the concept of security scorecard came along and i, I was um you know they, they essentially brought me in as a chief research officer to kind of architect a lot of the data points and risk signals that uh 
that would be um, that would be looked for. Well, let's talk about trends. Um, you know, you see a lot more than most people see. You said everything's moving to the cloud. I know. I've, I've seen that too. I'm sure most people, most listeners have. What trends are out there now that people are not seeing that you see because of your vantage point, you know, that hackers are doing or um, upcoming risks or things that people should be aware of? But I would say the 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 two the two biggest risks that are that are upcoming are they're related to to old risks. It's just they have a new face to them. So uh, it's it has to do with password password reuse and the lack of proper authentication or no authentication. Essentially, a lack of understanding of technologies being used. So those are two separate issues. So on the on the first one with password reuse, because there's been billions of email password combinations released from essentially every every major service that everyone uses, hackers use scripts called checker scripts. And they'll load up combinations of emails and passwords and run through those uh, lists to try to log into various services, everything from the email account to the bank account to PayPal or even just Netflix and Spotify just to get some free uh, free premium services. But what that that's one of the major things that's going on right now. And that's going to continue happening because that's the way for the average script kitty to leverage a compromised database. And then you have the more advanced attackers that are extracting the enterprise credentials and then mapping out all of the enterprise login portals for a company. And if you've got you know, a thousand different login portals for your company and a hundred thousand circulating email password credentials, there's going to be some crossover as to who's been reusing their passwords. So it's really important that people maintain good password hygiene, implement two-factor authentication where applicable because the reuse of authentication is going to be a, a it, it's going to be a, a big upcoming thing, and it's going to be quite dangerous because it's after the authentication. Most of the security controls are trying to detect unauthorized uh, attempts to gain unauthorized access. But if someone just logs into your system with a valid username and password, that's authorized access. Anything they do after that isn't going to be detected as easily. And then. On, and then from the standpoint of, and, that, and that's the issue of password reuse and, and that trend. And the second trend is the deployment of new technologies, uh, both web server technologies, database technologies, and IoT stuff. Um, they're, just, they're just being plugged in and turned on and forgotten about. So every, every month when we're doing our mapping of what's on the internet, we're finding more and more things that are just available without without passwords that probably shouldn't be things like electric car charging stations that you know you can unlock and lock the car or upload firmware if it's so desired oh, wow. those, those those shouldn't be those shouldn't be available to the internet but it's just plug it in does it work the car charges all right cool go to the next station and that's yeah. and that's not just that company, that's everything. That's how everything is. There's a there's a desire to make these real complicated things just work, and then run the business surrounding that mm. without knowing the nuance of every detail. So, what does this mean for um, for consumers and for companies? I mean, what it sounds like they're going to be exposed to more and more risk as more and more technology comes online. I and mean, what's they uh, de they definitely are. 
I mean, it's 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 a reality of it's just a reality of the times. But the risk can be mitigated if if um, you, if you just have some some cursory understanding of of how how these basic um, things work, you know, an understanding of how internet protocols work overall, the concept of TCP/IP, and more, even just on a more um, high level, just becoming familiar with the, the the privacy policies and the manuals that come with the come with the the tech. I mean, no one likes reading the manuals, but oftentimes it tells you everything you need to know. Well, one of the one of the popular methods that hackers do is once they map out a, a bunch of hardware. They'll they'll Google for the the user manuals to find the default passwords. Mm, makes sense, yeah. So would um, I know it's probably beyond the scope of what you do, but you talked about reusing passwords. You talked about reading privacy policies, terms of service, and all that. You know, you know, everyone knows these are things that people just they take effort. No one wants to do. Is there anyone out there with a solution that you think is novel or that'll be really good for the the problem of you know password proliferation reusing or um, you know reading these privacy policies and stopping the um, default settings being left on for products that make them vulnerable well from the from the standpoint of secure password reuse i I make use of a of an open source application called keypass x and uh, that's k e e p a s s x and it's it's available for all platforms and it's a, it's an encrypted container that you can just essentially store all your long complicated passwords in and you don't have to be bothered with remembering them and if someone's able to get the file they can't do anything with it because it's encrypted so it's essentially just an uh, an encrypted local password manager and it's not, you don't upload it anywhere it's just stored on on your machine and that and the, there there's a few solutions like that so that's that's the one that that I use and from the the standpoint of um of privacy policy analysis, I you know I I don't know of any uh, any solutions off the top of my head, but that is one of the one of the future data points that we are examining at, at Scorecard. Okay, well, very good. Um, you know, just another one or two more questions. Is it costly for companies to use your service for vendors or or you know companies to use your enterprise solution? You provide a lot of monitoring for. Uh, you know, a good amount of value. Like how much does it cost? Um, that would it's uh essentially it breaks down to the the size of the business and how many companies they they want to monitor, and and um the 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 metric that we uh, that we essentially advertise is that if if someone were to get hire a penetration testing team to go into their company four times a year and do a a, a point in time penetration test report. It'll probably cost them probably upwards of seventy-five thousand to a hundred a hundred thousand um, dollars. But if they were to, um, but that's just the you know that's a, a standard penetration test, and they would get the quarterly assessments point in time from from a regular infosec company. But our, if they were to use our platform, um, essentially they can monitor themselves and their vendors for a total for the entire year. For uh, I believe the metric came up with was less than twenty-five cents an hour. Um, so it, uh, it, it, uh, it, it that, that that was one metric for like larger larger businesses. It it um it's significantly significantly cheaper down you know to the pennies on the on the dollar to make use of continuous monitoring than actually hiring a penetration testing team. And well, we 
try to we, we, we work with um, with all customers to make it make it affordable for them. It, it just depends That's on which uh, how big they are and how they want to watch how how many they want to watch and stuff like that. All right, very good. And then for people that want to find out more about uh, your scorecard company, um, what's the best way for them to interact and find out if you can help them? Sure, thanks. Uh, the best way to to uh, get a quick uh, instant assessment on, on your own website is to go to instant.securityscorecard.com. Okay. All right, very good. Well, Alex, you know, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Cool. Thanks for the opportunity to speak, and uh, it was good talking with you. Take care. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.